This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This Age of Radio podcast is brought to you by The Bazaar. The Bazaar is the Age of Radio affiliate store, and right now, The Bazaar has a special offer on The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by the world's greatest professors. You'll always find something fascinating to learn about. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. If you go to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a range of topics. I'm Kevin H. I'm Kevin C. And I'm a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool, too. We want to start out by saying a special thank you to our sponsor, Studio Headphones. Studio offers some of the best quality sound and best-built headphones on the market without the outrageous prices that other brands offer. They offer a variety of different styles, including over-the-ear, wired earbuds, and completely wireless Bluetooth buds. The two newest models are the Klar, which are over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones that offer 30 hours of playtime. Hold on. 30 hours continuous playtime without being recharged. And the Tolve, which are totally wireless Bluetooth earbuds, that offer seven hours of playtime in a case that holds four additional charges for the buds. So check out studio.com where you will find some of the best quality headphones and earbuds on the market. And if you enter Dark Windows 15 at checkout, they will take 15% off your entire order. What's going on, everybody? How do you do, Interneters? Hey, hey, hi, hey. So this week, we are going to finish up, wrap up, yeah, our, our uh, series on the Munich Olympics. And this is going to be part three. We're actually going to talk about Operation Wrath of God, which was the Israeli retaliation after the attacks. But before we do that, we got to have Seth talk about something. And that might have been my best segue ever. That was. So hmm. if you or anybody else, you know, is in the mood for some hobby tools because, you know, you get to that painting point where your hands start getting the phantom shakes or you can't stop it. Or you just up all night painting miniatures and you're like, man, I am having difficulty getting this fine detail. Head on over to GameEnvy.net. GameEnvy.net is the home of the Hobby Holder. The Hobby Holder is a two-in-one handle and base combination tool that will help you get 360 degrees of all painting ability. 
What that means is you can rotate that device around and you can get all that fine detail and not ever have to touch the miniature because when the miniature is wet and you touch it, you end up wiping away all that fine detail. If you're not into a hobby holder and you want to get something else, such as a brush bash and a paint puck or any of the other variety of tools, you can put those in your checkout cart too. Put in the promo code broadstone at checkout and you'll save yourself 10% off the entire order. Back to you for a regular scheduled program. <laughs> By the way, uh, Metal Gear Solid, The Phantom Shakes, is one of my favorite games of all time. Jesus. <laughs> Every time I drink a milkshake, I get the Phantom Shakes. Lactose intolerance issues. We're going to start off with uh, a couple of quotes um, before as we get going. It's kind of like one from each side of the coin. Our first one is, I warned them to be careful. The Mossad will hunt us down one by one, officer by officer. And that was a quote from Yasser Arafat, who was the chairman of the PLO from 1969 to 2004. Hmm. Talk about job security. Yeah. yeah. Apparently terrorism is good business to be in if you don't want to lose your job. Unless, you know, you get fitted for a vest or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, oh, actually, speaking of, I saw a thing on Facebook. There's a British... Uh, some fucking British politician that wants the uh, wants the death penalty for fucking suicide bombers. It's like, well, because if they don't if they don't go through with it, and yeah. they already have the vest on them. But the why thing, not? The thing is, it's like you know, hey, if you kill yourself, we're gonna charge you with murder. Fucking dummy. Hey man. Anyway. Anywho. Okay, then when you got a, our second one, we are accused of having been guided by a desire for vengeance. That is nonsense. What we did was to prevent other attacks in the future. We acted against those who thought they would continue to perpetrate acts of terror. I'm not saying that those were uh, those who were involved in Munich were not marked for death. They definitely deserve to die, but we were not dealing with the past. We were concentrating on the future. And that was from Zivi Zamir, who is the uh, uh, a Mossad chief officer. Hmm. So that's kind of we get a little bit of a little what? bit of a taste of both sides of what's going to happen here. Exactly. Foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Fucking smart college man over there. So on September 12th, 1972, Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir spoke to the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament, with emotion and just, she was really, really fired up about the whole thing. Um, talking about uh, the events of Munich and kind of uh, what they learned from the experience for the Israeli military and security forces going forward. Israel's first response to the terrorist attack at the Olympics was to uh, was to retaliate with uh, extreme prejudice, I think would be the, the best way to put it. Yeah, they were going to do fucking extermination. Yeah, it's... They're literally just going to eliminate anything that moves, anything that, you know, remotely re- resembles these fucking assholes. It's like a Steven Seagal movie, but with Israel instead of Steven Seagal. Yeah, dude. 40K exterminatus. Sure. They, car- uh, they carried out a series of pre- uh, precision airstrikes against any target they suspected of being uh, terrorist training camps or facilities where they might be storing weapons and stuff like that for these people. Um, from any- Everywhere from southern Lebanon to northern Jordan and western Syria. So they-, they covered a pretty good area fucking bombing stuff. The Arab nations had a very strong use, use of propaganda to justify attacks. But they cannot deny that the targets were legitimate. So they could, you know, put out all these fucking flyers and pamphlets and shit, but they couldn't go, no, those those weren't terrorist camps that you bombed. No, no, those were civilians. They couldn't, like, oh, no, yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to dial in things like that because no one's going to be opening up front and be like, hey, over here at this address, this is completely a terrorist camp. Yeah. No one's actually going to say that because then they would be like, well, if you know that, how come you haven't taken care of it? And also, terrorists like to be underground. They don't want to be open in the forefront. 
only those in the know will know. But the thing or is, or who though, they can manipulate to be a part of it. In a lot of those countries that I just listed, the state was totally cool with it. Like they were actually sponsoring these people. Like you know, oh, we we'll pay you, we'll fucking well, fuck. feed you and yeah. train you and shit. You know, at that time, potentially still now, but it's no different than here. <laughs> Financing's financing. Yeah. Everyone can use a terrorist. Doesn't matter what side you're on because they can start it or end it. Yep. Some just become more freelance now. Yeah. Some get paid really well to do it. Mercs. These initial attacks began almost immediately after the conclusion of the events in Munich. The bombings began September 9th and lasted 24 straight hours. The aggression that the Israelis showed in their counterattacks was shocking to the Arab states that they had attacked. Uh, the guerrilla groups they bombed, and but it also showed... It, I'm sorry, it also shocked the international community. So for the rest of the, the world, seeing how how willing the Israelis were to go to the fucking mattresses, they were like, oh shit. Well, yeah, for them, they took this personally. And like we established before, a lot of times, you know, they feel like that everyone's going after him and everyone's trying to attack him and pick on him. It's like that kid in school that's always getting picked on. And then when he finally snaps, he goes after everybody. Yeah. There ain't no one coming out of this shit, like walking out normal. The the international press came to the conclusion that Israel would treat all future attacks with a response of an eye for an eye attitude, which is you know, not necessarily a bad way to do it. Well, it's one way to make pe- make sure people don't fuck with you. Is like if you're coming after me, I'm taking what you got. Yeah. Prime Minister Golda Meir issued a number of threats against Arab states that would allow uh, a- that would allow and support terrorist organizations to operate within their borders. The thing is, she backed her threats up with action. Is uh, Israeli general. Iran Yarivi said, we had no choice. We had to make them stop, and there was no other way. We're not very proud about it, but it was a question of sheer necessity. We went back to the old biblical biblical rule of an eye for an eye. I approached these problems not from a moral point of view, but hard as it may may sound from a cost-benefit point of view. uh, If I'm very hard-headed, I can say... What is the uh, the political benefit in killing this person? Will it bring us nearer to peace? Will it bring us nearer to an understanding with the Palestinians or not? In most cases, I don't think it will. But in this case, but in the case of Black September, we had no other choice, and it worked. Is it morally acceptable? One can debate that question. Is it politically vital? It was. So pretty much, he's <laughs> trying to figure out, justify their actions, whether or not it's worth killing person a if it will bring them closer to their end result that's actually kind of a responsible thing to do it's like should i should we really go forward with this because if we do this could have bigger ramifications than if we just went at this willy-nilly so you kind of like weighing out the pros and cons of everything kind of makes sense so then that way it's you're not being too irrational but also you're showing the world and your people that you're not fucking around anymore yeah, exactly. That. We're we're done taking your shit. Yeah. Fuck you. Here it comes. It's that uh, dick measuring contest. Yeah, pretty much. But it's uh, for a good like a good enough reason at least. The Israeli bombings would become the beginning of what would be what would go on to be called Operation Wrath of God, which is the coolest fucking name ever. Sounds like a metal cover, right? <laughs> like it should be in like uh, fucking. Um, I didn't. Even, I can't remember what the text is called, but like every fucking black metal band has their their logo as their name, but it's all in the same fucking text, and you can't read any of it. Demon squiggles. Yes. Perfect. That's what I'm going with. Sure, <laughs> love it. 
Alongside Wrath of God, Prime Minister Meyer formed a top secret counter organization called Committee X. Metal. <laughs> Committee X was led by General Yaravi, uh, who we spoke about earlier, who is the ex military attache to Washington, D.C., and a former head of, uh, of Amman, uh, which was the Israeli military intelligence agency. But it was obviously in. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, now, Committee X was basically a closed organization where they could go over the intel uh, that they had gathered on individuals and groups and pass judgment on whether these people would live or die. So it's kind of like Congress for murdering people. Well, yeah, you want to make sure you do things by the book, but also everybody gets a vote on it. Yeah. The individuals and groups that were targeted were linked to either Black September or the larger arm of the PLO. A news article was published in Haratz, which is a, an Israeli newspaper, on June 10th, 1986, written by Yoel Marcus, who said, The panel, Committee X, concluded that the most effective means to make a clear statement that Israel would not tolerate terrorist activities was to authorize the assassination of any Black September terrorist involved in the Munich incident. This, dire- uh, this directive included in any individual identified as either directly or indirectly involved in the planning of the execution or the assault on the Israeli athletes in Munich. So if you even knew these guys, your name was probably going to come up in a committee X meeting somewhere. Yeah, dude, they're going to, it's that whole thing of like, you hear the mobsters like, I want you to take them out. I want you to take out their parents. I want you to take out their siblings. I want you to take out their cousins. Yeah. And they're going to pretty much erase these people from history. Yep. But how far is too far? That's the situation. Well, probably about to find out. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, The thing is, sometimes when they're like, yeah, this guy, this is our guy. Spoiler alert. Turns out sometimes it's not always the guy you're after. And you fuck up big time. Wrath of God, man. Yeah. Committee X ordered Mossad to carry out their directives. And and they were very clear. Any and all Black September offer, operatives that Mossad came into contact with were to be killed. No prisoners, no quarter, kill them. Extermination squad. Yep. So they would be entering, uh, they would be countering terror with terror. Mossad chief Zivi Zamer uh, appointed Michael Harari to develop the covert action teams, Harari and his Mossad colleagues set up the base for European operations in Paris. So any Mossad operations that they were going to that were going to take place anywhere in Europe like like the like main continent Europe, yeah. were going to be headed out of Paris. Yep. So as the Paris field office was being set up, another Israeli group got wind of three Black September operatives in Beirut, Lebanon. And this was in uh, April of 1973. These three senior Black September leaders were Mohammed Yosef, an operations leader, uh, Kamal Adwan, a PLO chief uh, chief of operations, and Kamal Nasser, who was a PLO spokesman uh, and a member of the PLO executive committee. So these guys, yeah, these are kind of up there, kind of upper echelon. Yeah, like yeah. big wigs for it. Yeah. The planning of this side mission fell to, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, and I'm going to apologize now, Ehud Barak. He said it's kind of fine. It's E-H-U-D is his first name. Ehud. Yeah, so close enough. I like mm. it. Sure. I was just going to be like, oh, fuck it. His name's Eric now because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> 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 Ehud. 
So, uh, Ehud Brock was the uh, he was the commander of the uh, General Staff Reconnaissance Unit 269. With plans finalized for the operation, the group of Israelis reached the beaches of Beirut in small and infa- uh, small inflatable uh, rubber boats. After they had been kind of discharged from naval ships further out. Uh-huh. They were all disguised as tourists, some of them, including Mr. Barack, dressed as women. So the, this this must Why have... Why that lady got a beard? Uh, have you been around here before, Ben? Oh, yeah, never mind. He's well, th- this would have been tricky because he's like six foot three, like 250 pounds. He was a big dude. And you just like throw him in a sundress with his hair up or something. Dude, I've seen some big ladies. <laughs> what can I do for you, ma'am? I'm here to kill Palestinians. Uh... <laughs> I'll take a coat. No, I'll be like, <laughs> I'm here to kill Palestinians. <laughs> Why is Herb Baumeister here? Because <laughs> he was a man lady. <laughs> so the the agents hit the beach and made their way to three waiting cars. And they were, uh, after they loaded into the cars, they were driven off to the targets. So when they arrived at the target location, two members of the team stood watch outside the buildings, which were opposite uh, each other on the street. So they would have been like, either right across the street from each other or kind of kitty corner. The remaining commandos entered the buildings, blew the doors off the hinges, and gunned down the Black September members. All three were killed along with uh, Yusef's wife. Collateral damage. Exactly. As the assault team was trying to make their way back out to the street level team, they uh, they got into a shootout with local police and a PLO backup team. Hmm. In the gunfire, two Lebanese police officers were killed. Ooh. The Israelis got what's that? I said, ooh. <laughs> the Israelis got back to their vehicles and made their way uh, back to the beach. Uh, as this was taking place, fourteen paratroopers from the same unit were involved in an intense firefight with militants from the PFLP, which was uh, this fight was also in Beirut. The Israelis Those fucking names, man. Yeah, PLLPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPP
even though there would be plausible deniability, there would be no question who was responsible for the killing of the Black September members. So, I mean, they're not like... What are they, fucking calling cards? We were here. They're, they're not like carving like Israel was here in dude's chests or anything? Muhammad was here. I mean, not Muhammad, but... Muhammad sucks with an X. <laughs> I like challah bread. Challah. <laughs> Suck my matzo balls. Hey. That's good soup. Good soup, man. Never had it. I'll oh, make dude. I'll make it for you. Oh fuck, it's great. Mossad was here. Calling card, you know, stuck from the corner. Mossad don't give a fuck, man. They'll let everybody know where they are and be like, come get come at us, bitch. So there was some reports from uh from early on in the operation that uh pri- that the Prime Minister was uncomfortable with the nature of the operation. Um and that go uh going into other countries with sometimes anecdotal evidence uh was not really a great idea because you could have a lot of negative political blowback. Well, yeah, because like, you have to then explain, you know, okay, why the fuck were you here in our country? We're on why vacation. did you get in a fucking firefight? It was an accident. Why did you just kill, you know, uh, like three, four of our citizens? Uh, I didn't. They I fell f- on those bullets. <laughs> I, fell on it. I, I fell on it in the shower. Uh-huh. No, they fell on it. And then if did you, you can, slip on the slope, can, soap? can you also make sure they give those back? Because those were limited edition. They yeah. stole them from me. <laughs> Sons of bitches. All those rounds were actually silver pointed. I'm going to need those back for my collection. What happens if there's vampires? I didn't mean to waste these on Palestinians. Jesus. So you're trying to say, tell me that you were actually were here and you actually did fire rounds. No, they stole them from us. Yeah. Oh, they're, oh, they're okay. smuggling them in their chest cavities. Right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> sorry. 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 We were here hunting vampires and these motherfuckers got in the way. Apologize. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just close the book on this case now. So her mind got changed in a big way on October 29th of 1972 when Lufthansa Flight 615 was hijacked at a stopover in Beirut. By the way, Lufthansa is a sponsor of the network. <laughs> so, are you serious? Yeah, they play their ads on uh, um, on Colored Me Dead all the time. The flight uh, the flight was scheduled to go from Damascus to Frankfurt, but when the plane landed in Beirut, two Arab passengers threatened to blow up the flight if the remaining Black September members that had been involved in the Munich incident were not released from German prisons. The West German authorities would bend the knee and release the three prisoners and fly them directly to Zagreb in the uh, former country of Yugoslavia, where they were handed over to the hijackers. Uh huh. After the plane was refueled, it flew to Tripoli, where the exchange of prisoners for hostages was made. The uh, the Arab world was thrilled with this. They were like fucking like launching off fireworks and throwing streamers and shit. Whoa. Like a fucking Ring of Honor show. <laughs> why, why are you guys throwing a parade? Don't worry about it. The former prisoners would be allowed to live in Libya under the protection of our good buddy, Muammar Gaddafi. The German, Yeah. The Germans were happy to transfer the prisoners for hostages. The Israelis, on the other hand, weren't real thrilled about this whole thing. No, because that's them, uh, that's them losing. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to lose. So... With that being said, any issues of morale of morality that Golda Meir was having, you know, she was if she was having any issues of fighting terrorism with twi- uh, terrorism, those worries went right out the fucking window. With the newfound urge for justice and vengeance, the three survivors of the Munich attack, Jamal and Adnan Al Ghashi, and Mohammed Sadifi 
found themselves at the very tippity top of Community X's shit list. Uh huh. Well, am I not surprised on that yeah. one? So we're gonna take a break right here for some quick sponsorship stuff. Yeah, and we'll be back in a few minutes, like uh, forty seconds or so. The Dark Windows Podcast is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by some of the world's greatest professors. You'll always have something fascinating to learn about on there. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. The courses I'm personally looking forward to the most are the 36-part series on the Vikings and a 24-part series called The Agency, A History of the CIA. If you go over to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a variety of topics. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, we're back. Hopefully y'all enjoyed those. I hope so. If not, fuck it. Who cares? I mean, Great Courses Plus is a pretty cool thing. I'm actually going to be setting up for it here in the next uh, week or so. Because you get that free trial, man, and I want to check some of that shit out. They got like a big fucking thing on the Vikings and all that. I know. Every time I hear this episode or these shows, that's all I hear about. Yeah. Vikings. You want to know why? Nope. Don't care. I use the same ad every time. Uh, You could use a different one. uh, (sighs) I have one. Oh, that's true. You do. I keep forgetting about yours. Keep forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have one. You You didn't want to. Damn straight. So the general consensus is that uh, Adnan Al-Gashi and uh, Muhammad uh, Safadi were both assassinated by Mossad. There's some speculation that Adan had actually died of a of heart failure in Dubai sometime between 1978 and 1979. <laughs> that's uh, in quotes. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, there are drugs that can simulate heart attacks, and governments all around the world have used things like this to assassinate political enemies and foreign agents forever. I'm not saying the United States has done that, but... Oh, we definitely have. <laughs> we definitely have. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> fucking MK Ultra agent? Nope. Ooh, I don't know what the fuck that means. It's your fucking Manchurian candidate, that's why. Isn't that a fucking movie? It was. It's it actually was. two movies. There was an old one first. Yeah, whatever. Operation Climax. Operate. The only Operation Climax you need to worry about is when I'm in the bedroom. Hey-o! By myself. <laughs> operate, operate, climax. Not, not to be confused with Operation Penis Clip. <laughs> I have no idea that's what you guys they, are talking about. That's when they jerked off all those German scientists after World War II. I have, I have no idea no. what you guys are talking about. Anyway. I don't think it was penis clip. So there's another report that Safadi was killed in a completely unrelated assassination conducted by uh, Christian phalangelists in Lebanon in the early 1980s. Not evangelists. Nope. Phalangelists. Christian, uh, Christian phalangist is or was a political party in Lebanon. Oh, I just all I can think of is Christian fingers. So they're <laughs> fundamentalists, sort of. Wait, what? Would, would Christian fingers be like doing the cross and shit? No, it'd be this all like wrist at like forty-five degrees, forearm brought to bicep, and then just mm-hmm. wiggle the fingers, wiggle, wiggle the fingers, wiggle the fingers. Jesus magic, Jesus magic, Jesus magic. And they go boom! I send the devil out of your face. You scared the devil out of me. 
Sure, we'll go with that too. Oh, fuck, dude. Might have died just now. Rip devil. <laughs> <laughs> there was a documentary released. Hey, hey, hey. I was, you know, Bob Ross. Come on. I'm now. surprised you know who that fucking is. <laughs> Continue. That famous that which that lovely, which fucking X Men was was Bob Ross. <laughs> he was no fucking X Men. He was all the X Men. Bullshit. Oh. Bob Ross was a mutant. Nobody can paint that well. <laughs> no one could be he that can. fucking happy. Yeah. He was like and had that good of a fro. Actually, Animal it's man. Not really a fro. Why, it's a perm. Why do you think they had that perm? Because that's where all of his paint came from. He no. stored it there. You know why he had the perm? He's a fucking marsupial. He wanted to, say, he wanted to save money, so. He stuck with it after they the show did so well. They actually stuck with the with, with uh, he actually stuck with having the perm. He was also a, C, a fucking CIA assassin. He could have been. That's I won't deny that he was strong possibility. Yeah. Anyway, happy little trees. There was a documentary. There was a documentary released in two thousand called One Day in September, that led to the. <laughs> yes, I know. Original. <laughs> but that the. Uh, that that, that led to the first scenario of the two being killed by Mossad. Ah. So that documentary is basically where the idea that they both got smoked by Mossad came from. Because before that, nobody really knew. They're just kind of assuming. Ah, propaganda that, film? No, not so much. They're just kind of assuming that Mossad killed these assholes. Oh, you know what assuming does. Yeah. So what Gives you diarrhea? It does. What's strange is that Jamal Al-Gashi, who had been hiding... Uh, since the events of the 1972 Olympics, had spent time hiding out in the in Canada and in the U.S. Okay. He was even in this fucking documentary. He had his face blurred and wore a hat and sunglasses during the interview because he figured probably accurately that he was still on Israel's shit list. You know? So he's like, well, I'll, I'll do your documentary, but I'm going to wear a mustache and shit so you guys can't tell who I am. Yeah, because they can't just look at that and be like, that's that dumb motherfucker over... Uh, never mind, I don't know who that, that is. That can't be the same guy. He didn't have a fake mustache last time I saw him. <laughs> he's like all crooked and shit. He's got a mole. He's got a mole every time they talk to him as it starts traveling across his face like in Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> he takes a sip of his coffee and it falls out in it. Oh shit, oh my god, my mustache fell out. Ah, oh, man, it's shevitz. <laughs> he's not Jewish dummy. One point that they hit in the documentary was that there was some speculation that the hijacking of Lufthansa 615 was masterminded by the German government. Of course. The reasoning for this is because the Germans didn't want to have to deal with housing the prisoners and to hope uh, and to hope and avoid going to any kind of international trial over it. So create a fake hijacking to get rid of these assholes, wash your hands of the whole thing because it had been so poorly executed and handled right from the get-go on the German end of things, from the lack of security and the disregard for safety of the athletes. So, I can see that. False flag. Well, because it seemed like the Germans didn't want to do anything or have any part of this, so right. they were always making an excuse or always trying to push it off to somebody else. So, for somebody to be like, no, it could easily have been orchestrated by the German government because, hey... Who knew, you know, years prior they had an issue with the Jewish, you know, religion or Jewish people. Yeah. And, you know, who they wouldn't put them past this because they were literally doing whatever they could to not be a part of said, in you know, incident. Yeah. So, I mean, false flag, false flag shit like this happens all the time. That's how we got into Vietnam, for Christ's sakes. You know, so, and this was not nearly as, as bad. 
of a situation to put yourself in where you can just go, oh, we'll just fake a, a, a hijacking on an airstrip to get rid of these fuckers because we don't want to deal with them anyway. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. It, it kind of does make sense, though. Well, you know, you can you can piece those, put those dots, connect those dots, whatever it is. Absolutely. And you can make anything sound like it's believable. That's true. You just got to have conviction behind it. You know, a little bit of information. You, you can make up facts as long as you sound like you know what you're talking about. It works. Yeah, dude. You can be a great storyteller. Yeah. Did you know that John Belushi's cousin was actually uh, married to uh, George Patton? Did you know that actually yep. I could walk into the Heinz Museum while they're having a benefit gala and eat food? Just That's because not I a made like... up fact. That actually happens. That so is true. <laughs> now, back to the targeting of the Israelis. Yes. So they wanted... The kingpin. They wanted Yasser Arafat. Arafat had been on the hit list since day one of him taking any kind of leadership role in Palestine. The big problem for Israel was that he had risen to such uh, political prominence that taking him out would most likely fail and cause some issues because this was at a time when international support for Israel wasn't really a thing so much. They they were just, is that annoying little brother that they have to deal with? Exactly. But you hope to only deal with it in small doses? Yeah. They, they, it wasn't like, like it is now where we're like, fuck it, jets and tanks and shit, fucking send them. The first verifiable assassination for Wrath of God was that of Wael Zawater, who was the PLO's Italian representative. After getting the green light from Committee X, the assassination was carried out on October 16th, 1974, just just a little bit over a month after the Munich massacre. The operation was very simple, very well put together. Zawater was a single man, had no fear for his own safety, and kept to a very predictable routine. After doing surveillance for a short time, they're saying anywhere from like three days to about a week that they actually followed this guy and were like, oh, he does the same fucking thing every day. Yeah. They, uh... They ambushed him after he exited an elevator in the lobby of the hotel he was staying in. He was shot 11 times with a suppressed Beretta 22 pistol. Jesus, that's like literally just like squeezing as fast as you possibly can. Right in the fucking lobby. Well, well, well how many rounds does a Beretta typically hold? Like With a 22, I have no idea. I was like trying to think of like 18, I would thought, but I don't know. So I, I think... Uh, I think the 92, like the the military handgun, I think that's like a 16 or 17 round magazine. But a 22, I mean, shit, you can get, you probably have fucking 20 rounds in it if you wanted to. So within a couple of hours of, uh, of killing Zawater, uh, the assassination team and some of the Mossad directors who had been in the country left immediately. Because like the, the officers had been there to oversee everything and... If you need support, we can send other people in, yada, yada, yada. Uh. The next target was Mahmoud Hamsharai, the unofficial PLO guy in Paris. This was another soft target operation. Um, For anybody that's not real familiar with that kind of terminology, a soft target is someone who isn't overly protected and is a fairly easy target to get. Yeah, they don't see the point of having protection, or if they do, it's like very laxed. Right. It's like like they're walking down the middle of the street, and their protection's in a car, or easily like I don't know, hundred paces, two hundred paces behind them. Yeah. Or if they're at home, they're just hanging out outside. These are the kind of people that are like, well, why would anybody want to kill me? I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, I got nothing to worry about. But 
Spoiler alert. Uh, Hashari was an academic with a PhD in history. So he wasn't uh, he wasn't quite in the operational part of the PLO. He was more of a just like a supporter and uh, kind of like uh, support and um, I don't know, maybe like an operations kind of person, like moving money around. I don't really know. They don't really. So an Israeli agent posing as an Italian diplomat requested a meeting with him. They talked for a while with questions ranging uh, widely and uh by the answers that the Israeli agent was getting, he would kind of get all of the information that he would need to pass on to the actual assassins. So it'd be like, hey, so, you know, what kind of, what do you kind of do you know, on a regular weeknight? You know, you go out and you have a couple of drinks, you go to dinner, you go to a movie. What do you do? What time do you go home from work, man? I, I work fucking nine to six every night. What, you know, what, what's your <laughs> schedule look like? Oh, the small talk to try to learn all the information you can. I love it. And it fucking works. Well, yeah, man. Most times they probably don't think anything about it. They just think, oh, this person's really nice. So, you know, I'm just having a casual conversation because I don't know anything about them and I haven't done anything wrong. So I just made a new friend. Or maybe it was just like, you know, hey, you know, I'm new in town, you know. Yeah, exactly. Type of thing. Yeah, trying to make a new friend. So the part of this assassination that would be much more difficult than the previous was that they wanted to take uh, take him out in a way that wouldn't hurt or traumatize... Trauma, traumatize. Yeah, hurt or traumatize his French-born wife and daughter. Well, that's considerate of them. It's not like all of a sudden <laughs> they drive by and throw a fucking bomb in. Yeah. And like, fuck it. Whatever happens, who cares? So the decision was made on how to kill him. And on December 8th, 1972, when his wife and daughter left the house, he returned, he returned to bed. The explosive device that had been rigged into the bedside phone was detonated remotely. He would die of his injuries a few weeks later. <laughs> the Israelis are pretty fucking crafty with this kind of stuff. You gotta be. Like, you have to be able to hide right in plain sight. Yeah. And do, like, subtle little things. And this is so like... So no one knows, because ultimately, if you get caught, you're fucked. This is... This is some dark, black shit. Yeah, this is spycraft, like, to the fucking T. Like, yeah, this is some fucking wet, this is wet work. Yeah. And you get caught, and they find out in Israel. Or in Israel They're just going to deny. In France, they find out that you're, you did it. They're going to bust your fucking door down with, you know, automatic weapons, and you're probably going to be dead. Well, not only that, <laughs> Israel's going to deny everything. Yeah. That, when, as soon as you join Mossad, if you get caught, it's like... Oh, we'll deny, deny, deny. Like when you see, like, of like James Bond or whatever, but like legitimately, Mossad, if you get caught, they deny your existence. They will erase everything. Oh, I send up burn notices like you're fucking toast. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's kind of fascinating that everybody has that and it's kind of scary when you think about it. It's it's like what happened in in Paris there. uh, They had a bombing or whatever it was. The Bataclan. Thing. Couple years, a couple years. Yeah, ago. the the concert that got shot up. Uh, sure. I don't know. There was a. I, all I know is there was a soccer game going on, and all of a sudden they yeah. they heard it, and it was like a boom. And it was they're like, what the hell? And people yeah, and they, like and for, they, they gunned down like eighty some odd people in a in a bar that were at a Eagles of Death Metal concert. Could have been. Well, they like the the uh, what's the. G- Giggin? The Giggin, yeah. yeah. G-I-A-G-N. Or G-I-G-N. Like, we're like, fuck this. Scary you know, motherfuckers. We know, who, we know who did it. We're going after them. They're dead. Yeah. 
guns blazing. So no, it's the same they're thing. not dead. We're erasing them. <laughs> True. <laughs> this second assassination got the PLO's attention big time. They began to think uh, that their lives could all be in serious danger, not just the select few. Mm. The PLO began to demand that European countries take responsibilities for them for their members and protect them against quote Zionist terrorists. The Israelis didn't deny taking responsibility for the attacks, but there wasn't much denying who was behind the killings. So the Israelis weren't like, oh, we don't know what's going on. Wink, 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 wink. Wink, you wink, know? nudge, nudge, say no more. <laughs> the Israelis weren't always super direct in, uh, in their controlling of PLO members. They would also send letter bombs to members in Tripoli, Algiers, Cairo, and Stockholm. These mm-hmm. bombs would injure or kill a number of individuals. Yeah, dude, they don't care. No. None of these tar- I mean, dude, that's the kind of shit that could suck for you. Because, well, that's what, you know. but for them, it's one of those things that's the whole weighing out the pros and cons of like what that guy was talking about before yeah. of do I care enough to worry about the, the innocent bystanders? Well, in some cases, even though that these people are technically innocent, they're still part of them. Right. They're still Palestinians. They're still against us. They still, you know, are they affiliate reason. themselves with the wrong people. Exactly. And for them, it's the whole point of like what we've been saying time and time and again is that, yeah, they're going after this one person, but they're going to eliminate everybody that's connected. So if they're hanging out with their brother, sister, family members, whatever, fuck them. Yeah. We're taking them all out because honestly, that's on them. They should have realized that if you're doing this, you shouldn't, you know, be around them. We're going to blow up your uncle's fucking birthday party, dude. Pretty much. So, uh, none. It's, it's fucking raining. Yeah, it's pouring like a motherfucker. <laughs> Welcome to a tin roof. <laughs> so I'm going to apologize if anybody can hear the background noise of it raining really hard. Um, I didn't even bring a coat. <laughs> none of these targets were directly associated in the Munich attack at all, but they were all instead ambassadors, affiliates, or unofficial diplomats of the PLO. <laughs> and no wonder why the PLO fucking hates them. <laughs> In all fairness, they fucking started it. Yeah. Yeah, but they're... That's like picking a fight with somebody and getting your dick kicked into the ground and going, fuck it, those motherfuckers are assholes. Like, you started it, dude. They started it, but they could have just, you know, they could have stopped after, you know, XML. But, you know, there's a vent there. I'm being the devil's advocate here, kind of being the, you know, hey, you want to live in peace with these assholes? Yeah, but... But at the same time... You're, you're being vengeful motherfuckers and saying, okay, hey, we did we had this happen to us before. We're not going to let it happen again, so fuck you. We're going to be the, you know, the exterminators would you be, of justice. Would you be the bigger man if, say, your countrymen or friends or your family or people, you know, you're expecting, you know, things are working well and you're in peace. And all of a sudden, someone you care about goes off the Olympics to compete and then now becomes a fucking victim of, like, extreme violence like this, would you be like, you know what, I'm just going to turn the other cheek. Fuck it, who cares? Well, no, I'd want justice for the, for, I'd want justice to get those involved, what? but don't not be on that, because if they had nothing to do with it. Well, here, here's one know. for you. What's any different than the, between that and what happened at the end of World War II, where we continue to hunt down fucking Nazis that were scattered to the wind after they South got America. away from fucking we Nuremberg? Still do. Yeah, exactly. What's the we fucking don't. difference? We don't. Oh, actually, we do. Tim Kennedy's on a show where he's you hunting do down not Nazis. Fuck with Tim Kennedy because he will kill you and eat your balls. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's also got a it's, sweet it's, fucking it's Colonel not, Sanders facial hair going it's on. It's not yeah, technically dude. us. It's actually uh, 
Israel or whatever. Doesn't, doesn't matter. It's the same difference. I mean, we're still hunting down people that were responsible for the deaths yeah, of innocents. Yeah, and they want to put them to death at fucking 70, 80 years old. Drag him out in the street and shoot him in the fucking head. I don't the care. The reason, <laughs> like, I kind of see the whole point of it because there were people like Mangla and a few other people that were these really despicable human beings that lived a happy life and married this beautiful woman yeah. and he died on a beach living happily ever after no. knowing that he erased entire families he should have been eaten from by existence. fucking rats well yosef should have been fucking shot in the head and you know just left to die or just fucking just shot in the head that's fine you know that's one thing but it, it's the whole uh, like i, I kind of go back to it's like trying to show like you got a bigger dick than someone else it's like with us with you know with japan we had two little bombs. We were like, hey. <laughs> little, my, little my ass. They weren't really little. Uh, they They're were bigger little. than your car. <laughs> probably. Yeah, bigger no, probably. They were. Cars. But they, you know. Y'all mushroom farmers? <laughs> they <laughs> dropped them. <laughs> well played. Got that me. was mean. But I do see your point, but it's also one of those things. The only way to stop it from happening again is to show you have the biggest dick of them all. Because if you match them, you know, power for power, they're going to be like, oh, this is all we get. Well, guess what? We step up a little bit. Bam. We know what they're going to max out at. If all of a sudden you're like, no, fuck this. We get to this point and they come at us at that point. Fuck you. We're pulling out all the stops now so this doesn't happen again. So you guys realize we are not the fuckers to be trifled with. We are not the people to be victimized. And we will come after you and everybody else you know if you it, fuck with us at least it, once. It's bringing a gun to a knife fight. I'm start. I'm ending this for good right now. But bringing a fucking know. rocket launcher to a knife fight. They just they didn't end it, though. They That's because both the, sides don't want to give up. Well, yeah. Well, legitimately, I mean, kind of look at both sides. Do legitimately they need you know, either side really have... You know, excuse not to give up? No, not really. I mean, the Palestinians are, you know, they've been fucked over for a long time. Pal you know, Israel, Israel, uh, the Jews have been fucked over for a long time. A lot longer than the. Let me correct them. you, the longest time. <laughs> True. I mean, you know, they've been, they've been separated. They've been, you know, got, gone away from their home country and... You know, but then they kind of settled in, but then they were just, you know. We live just, in a shitty fucking world, man. Yeah. There's never going to be peace because everybody has the, oh, poor me, oh, woe is me, that I have had it worse, I've had it worse, I've had it worse. But you know what the thing and is? And no one wants the, to talk about the it. The moral it's, of this story is sometimes the only answer for violence is more violence, stronger violence, like yeah. more intense violence. Fire with fire? Well, fire with a fucking howitzer. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is, is you get it. But the only other thing they have to do is separate, you know, the violence and the the human portion of it from the religious portion of it because good luck you can't <laughs> yeah dude that's they can't. never gonna they, happen they no. can't they can't do it you know i mean it's really that's so, what it comes down to is it's you know like they said zionist you know stuff well blame it on you know because they're you know the only way that you're ever gonna get to that point where those two things are separated is when skynet comes aboard true no i'm serious though is like yeah. when you have you know, anonymous automatons coming in and fighting because they don't have a dog in the fight. They're just doing what they're programmed to. And that is the only time that you're going to find and, and something. And they're the ones policing the world. Yeah. Fuck that. I hope to be dead by then. I fucking hate robots. Anyway. Anyhow. Now, these these Israelis... Uh, ooh, Israelis is... <laughs> Good enough. These Keep is, it. These Israeli attacks would not go unanswered. The PLO and Fatah would retaliate with letter bombings of their own. Taking of hostages in Israeli embassies in Bangkok and Katorum. Sounds good to me. Sure. 
they demanded the release of 36 prisoners, most of which were being held in Israeli prisons. The part of this attack that was a big mistake on the part of the Fatah was that the attack in Thailand was at the same time as the coronation of the crown prince. The Thai, who have a huge respect for their monarchy, took it as a very personal insult. And the operation backfired, and it took some uh, some severe political maneuvering on the part of the Egyptian ambassador to Thailand to get the PLO members that involved out of the country in one piece instead yeah, of sending them home in a fucking bucket. They would have been dead. Like, yeah. The Thai don't fuck around, bad. man. No, dude, just fucking knee strikes to the face until you're jelly. No, not even that. <laughs> no, they the, literally the fight. Is fucking crazy. Yeah, they fight with like no like no hesitation because yeah. they have nothing to lose. Like they're the ones that like fucking will put you out in the goddamn middle of the street and whip the shit out of you with a fucking cane. Dude, like, if you cane. Yeah, yeah, if you get busted for drugs, you're spending at least a fucking year. At least a year. Doesn't matter if you have a little bit of weed or fucking heavy drugs in your system. You're spending at least a year in their prison just because you're on a substance that Which they is deem weird illegal. Because other parts of Thailand, it's like the fucking Las Vegas of Southeast Asia. No, you can <laughs> you go know? fuck a man, like a man boy or a lady boy, yeah. whatever all you want. But don't be on any drugs. You smoking any weed? I'll kick your ass. You can hire an underage prostitute. You do not smoke a natural plant that grows from the ground. You son of a bitch. Oh, they're... Yeah, they don't fuck about, dude. Everybody, Everybody's different, man. So the Israelis kept at the assassinations the whole time. Like, yeah, we're getting attacked back. Fuck it. Who cares? On the night of January 24th, 1973, the Fatah uh, representatives in Cyprus, uh, Hussein Abu Kahir, was climbing into bed for the night when the explosive planted under his bed was remote detonated after the lights went out. Fuck. He was killed instantly. April 6th of the same year... Dr. Basil Al, uh, it's not Kilbasa, but it looks like it. <laughs> Al Kabasi? Kubiasi? Kubiasi? Oh shit, Kobayashi? Oh. They killed the fucking hot dog guy. Not Kobayashi. Kenta Kobayashi. <laughs> <laughs> I was with you, Nathan's hot dog. Somebody should blow him up. He's got terrible hair. Anyway, uh, this Dr. Uh, Dr. Basil was a law professor at the American U- University of Beirut. He was gunned down in the street in Paris on his way home from dinner. Now, no a, fucks. I hope you had a good dinner. A lot of these, like, Mossad, like, public killings. You guys have both watched NCIS, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Ziva Daivi. Yeah, there was a scene mm. where there was some fucking Mossad agents cruising around on a crotch rocket, and they just fucking. Yeah. They open, yeah. They, they were doing, like, these public like assassinations like this in the street like this were most likely done on either a motorcycle or a scooter with two people on it. Well, because easy mobility, get um, in, get out, and then yep. you're gone. Get a fucking Tech 9 and you know, a couple of dark helmets and just start smoking people and get the fuck out of there. Dude, get Can't one of those fully automatic uh, Berettas. Yeah. So April 11th, Zayad Muchasi, who was the replacement to Hussein al-Bashir <laughs> in Cyprus, was blown up in his Athens hotel room. Jesus. Just a few days later, Abdel Hamid and Abdel Naka were both seriously injured when a when their car was bombed in Rome. Jesus Christ! Well, efficiency is uh, yeah. It's all about the game. We don't so much like shooting people. We'd rather blow your ass directly off of your body. Well, think about it. It it, it sends a message. Yeah, it fucking does. What's that message? <laughs> Boom! Don't drive. 
No, don't fucking go anywhere. Don't even go to bed. Don't go in your toilet. Don't go anywhere because you'd be fucking toast. June 28th, Muhammad uh, Boudai. Sure. Who is the director of operations for Black September in France. So this is a like high-level target for these guys. Mm-hmm. Was killed when he sat into the driver's seat of his car. His weight, tri- his weight triggered the pressure-activated bomb that was packed with nuts and bolts that had been planted under the driver's seat. That always scares me is, like, car bombs. Yeah, because fuck, when you, like There's that's... so many different ways to do it. Yeah, and you, like, start to think, you're like, oh, okay, I'm fine, I'm safe, and all of a sudden you just get in your car ready to go home or go do something, and then all of a sudden it explodes. Yeah. You don't even, like, have any hesitation. Fucking shit's scary. <laughs> and it's like the fucking mafia. It, it, it's ridiculous. Well, yeah. Fuck. So, remember I mentioned earlier where the Israelis may have fucked one up pretty good? Okay. Yeah, yeah. kind of. They had a they had undercover agents in Lillehammer, Norway to take out Ali Hassan Salame, who is the head of Force 17 and a field operative for Black September. Uh Force 17 was basically like special forces arm of the Fatah. So it would have been kind of like Mm-hmm. They're, I don't know, like Navy They're SEALs or Rangers or some shit yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So Salame was one of the primary targets of Operation Wrath of God. Um, as a matter of fact, like, he was one of the first names on this list that uh, Committee X came up with. They're like, this guy's got to go. Like, done. Mm-hmm. He was known to be, you know, like, a, you know, a really, you know, an outgoing, polite guy, very fond of the ladies. And he was also a master of disguise. Oh my god! I just had that Martin Short movie. Turtle, turtle, turtle. <laughs> I, I I thought Palestinian James Bond. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yours is probably right. Uh, eh, I'm sorry. Oh no worries, man. Um, he was actually so good at creating convincing disguises that he had been able to evade Mossad more than once. A team of fifteen Mossad agents were now assigned to ID and kill him. The two big dogs from Assad, uh, Z- uh, Zamir and Harari, were again in town for this operation on July 21st, 1973. So they kind of, <clears throat> they show up when it's like big name. They, uh, <laughs> fair weather fans. <laughs> uh, who's, who's, who's dying today? Oh, I like him. Give me tickets. <laughs> Pick and choose your fucking fights, you pussies. God damn it. <laughs> The agent, uh, the agents believing uh, believed he was working as a waiter, but they cannot f- confirm his identity. So they found a Palestinian courier, and they were thinking that he would meet up with Salame eventually at some point in time. The agent made contact with a man that resembled Salame at a swimming pool. He looks like him. Fuck it. Yeah, he looks like a sandwich. <laughs> salame sandwich. Hard. Hard salami is the best. Yeah, dude, it makes Italian really good. <clears throat> So after a short amount of work, they decided that this was their guy. The poor bastard, Ahmed Bukarachi, was followed for a few days and one night while he was headed home from the movies with his wife. The two were caught by a car full of Israeli agents. Uh, Bukarachi, I guess is what we're going to go with that for. Sure. Uh, he was gunned down in front of his wife within sight of their home. Fuck. Realizing they had the wrong guy, the agents tried to flee the country, but were caught and put on trial for the killing. Uh-huh. Sorry. 
they got fairly light sentences and returned to Israel in 1975. Well, I mean, 25 years, you know. I mean, they spent whatever. less than two years in jail. Well, because this mean, was 1973, and they were back in Israel by 1975. It's like luxury, isn't it? Is it Norway? Uh, Norway the Norway. Uh, life sentence in Norway is 20 years because that's what. Uh, uh, what's his nuts? Um, Mr. Hack and Slash there. No, yeah, fuck. Oh my god, the guy from fucking Burzrum for burning down all his churches and killing a dude. 20 years in prison with fucking windows that open. He's got a fucking couch and a TV and shit. I want to go to prison in Norway. They did, but the Israelis did eventually Valdrak get their guy. Valdrak from Mayhem? What? Valdrak from Mayhem? Varg, Varg, Varg yes. Ferguson or whatever. Yeah. He also did. A, he was also a Bertram. He was a yeah. one man band. Sorry. No worries. I'm glad you got that because I would have driven it was myself. Was like Varg, Varg, Biggie. <laughs> also, Fucking guy believed his own bullshit. And he also created his own RPG game. Yeah, but there was also that. It's guy like that, Dungeons and Dragons, but it's focused around uh, the Norse gods. Yeah, but the kind guy that, that went on the hack and slash. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Anders Brevik. Yeah. Yeah, that dickhead should be dead, but. Norway's like, nah, he's fine. He just killed like 80-some-odd Boy Scouts. No big deal. But they did eventually get their guy. January 22nd, 1979, he was blown up by a remote-controlled car bomb in Beirut. Wait, wait. Did they take a little remote-controlled car and drive it down the street? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Unfortunately, the explosion killed him, four of his bodyguards, four civilians, and injured an additional 18 bystanders. Damn. So the botched operation in Lilyhammer com- uh, compromised Mossad's operations in Europe pretty badly. Well, yeah. One of the agents that had been detained was re- uh, was reportedly extremely claustrophobic. In exchange for a larger cell, he gave us specifics like names of other agents and details about their missions. What a puss. Right? One of the other agents had a key on him that fit in Israeli safe house in Paris. When the French police got a hold of the key, they found piles and piles, like fucking file boxes of intel on Mossad's French and European operations, including safe house locations, phone numbers, and agent information, including names and birth dates. Rip. You done fucked Yeah. Up. Cover your ass. Shit. Get a storage unit. Fuck that. Just swallow the goddamn key. Jesus Christ. But the UN's like, eh, hold on. Oh, oh, oh we can't do much to them. Oh, the... Bad people, you know. Why does the UN sound like one of the jerky boys characters? <laughs> oh, they're gonna wa- they're gonna waffle me with piss clams. Oh. Step on my, kick my oh, ass Jesus. with golf shoes. Uh, so this forced Mossad to recall all their agents, <laughs> including especially the ones that had been exposed, and they had to abandon all their safe houses, change phone numbers. Uh, and operational methods. You know those guys got erased, right? Oh, I fucking they, imagine. Or specifically the one that fucking you said it was his here. key. Yeah, it was. He was definitely made uh, an example of. He's fucking hyena food somewhere. The Israelis never took responsibility for the death of uh, Bukharachi, but they did eventually pay out compensation to his widow. Which here's twenty five bucks. Yeah, deuces. In 1990, the Norwegians reopened the case, and in 1998. They issued a global warrant for operations leader uh, for operational leader of Mossad, Michael Harari. He did escape arrest, and the case was actually closed the following year. <laughs> it turns out that they did assassinate another person directly linked to the Munich massacre in 1992. So a full 20 years later. 
Hey, man, never forget. That man was Atef Besasso. This would be the final target of Operation Wrath of God, which most people consider to be the most successful manhunt in history. Uh, no matter what side of the debate you fall on, the events of the Munich Olympics in 1972 marked a huge milestone in national and international preparedness for acts of terrorism. Operation Wrath of God would be the direct lead to Operation Thunderbolt, <clears throat> Thunderbolt, which was the rescue of Israeli hostages in Uganda, Operation Nimrod, the Iranian embassy siege in London in 1980, and the Moscow theater rescue in 19, uh, in, sorry, in, I'm sorry, in 2002. I wonder who comes up with these fucking names. Yeah, I mean... Like, some of them are pretty fucking creative, and then some of them are like, really? I mean, the the Moscow theater rescue is not necessarily a success, considering they killed, like, a hundred-some-odd of the hostages with fucking nerve gas accidentally. But, whatever. Yeah. The Russians actually let them in? No, the Russians did it themselves. Th- this, this was, like, a jumping-off point for other operations that... People would look at how um, how Wrath of God worked, and they'd go, we can use that same system in our situation here. It was all a learning tool. Exactly. Oh. Well, and both good and bad, you know, for a learning tool. It, like All of these operations owe their success directly to Wrath of God. The actions taken that one night in Munich would change the world and the war against terror for the rest of time. It drew a line in the sand that proved that sometimes the best and most effective option is to fight fire with fire, like we said before. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Don't turn the other cheek. No. Come back with a right hook. Yeah. Until Big Daddy goes, all right, smack. Who's Big Daddy? The United States. No. Yes, because we, we give them a lot of money. We do. So <laughs> we're like, uh, you got to stop that now. And they're like, okay, okay. Sometimes they don't even listen, though. You got to stop because we want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but and we did it and we have been doing it. Yeah. Since, you know, hmm, ever. 1947. I'm going to say. Not since <laughs> ever. We haven't been around since ever. <laughs> okay. Since. Uh, since we see. became a superpower. So 1947. Yeah. And after that, we're just like, nah, we got it. <laughs> Y'all got the problem? Fix it. But. Anyway, that's what I've got. That is wrapping up Munich. Uh, kind of an interesting ending. Yeah. Kind of up and down, but don't fuck with Mossad. Yeah, and don't be a fucking terrorist. I mean, yeah, man, be good people. <laughs> cautionary tale, tale to possible terrorists. Don't do it. Yeah. You know what? Just write a nasty yeah. blog post. Go yeah. on your like your Twitter, your Instagram, and make you know. Write a strongly worded letter. Yeah, to yeah. somebody. Fuck it. Perfect. Not so, a letter bomb though. Don't do that. No. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I won't say anything. I, I, I don't know. I, I can, I see both sides. So I'm just going like, to stay the fuck out of it. Cause you already bring it up, kid. Say yeah. it. Yeah, no, say I, it. Dude, you I just, can't just go, well, I'm not going to say anything and then just leave that open. Speak your no, mind. I, man. Just, yeah. I, I, I just see both sides to the spectrum of why, you know, things happen, you know, and uh, I, I, I feel for the Palestinians just because they're getting fucked over and they, they got fucked over. You know, but same time the Jews, you know, got screwed over, you know, and they. That's what I'm saying. Just be good people. I mean, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, but it's still going on. They can't just stop fucking fighting each other. No. You know, because. It's never going to end. One's one's right, one's wrong. You know, neither one are right. Neither one of them are wrong in their eyes. It's just, 
You know? It's a shitty situation that will never change because, nope. like we keep saying, no one ever wants to admit that they're wrong only if they have to, and it's a backward, you know, backhanded, like, you know, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, definitely, yeah, I see your, I see your point, but... Well, but what? Like, you you know, things went south. Things didn't work out. Like, you should have just, you know, thought of this a little more time. No, but see, it was – there's always going to be excuses. There's always going to be a reason for why people do anything. Yep. And it sucks, but that's yeah. the world we live in. But hey, it's it, sh- it shouldn't be, but, you know, it is. I mean, <laughs> but who are we to speak? You know, our own fucking country, our own government does the same fucking thing. That's what so. I'm saying. There's <laughs> never going to be a time where there's world peace. And our government doing it is not a new thing. We've been doing it for fucking ever. Since we decided that we had this little thing called area of influence. Yeah. Which was before 1947. Honestly, in my opinion, the last war that we were involved in that we needed to be involved in was World War II. Yeah. Because that was self-defense. I mean, that was... Did we have, did we have to nuke Japan? No. Did we? Yes. Mm-hmm. Could it we have done it a different way? Maybe. It was because one president was the because he was like, "Hey, look, look at me, flop." Mine's bigger. It, it was it's all about. That's all government. That's all politics. It's all about measuring dicks. Nuke, nuking Japan had nothing to do with Japan. It was to show the Russians who was boss. Not only them. Fucking percent. That's not, what not, I was, not just them. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, but I because mean, it was at a you know thing called a World's Fair where you know both. Uh, Representatives met with each other, and they're like, "Hey, guess what?" But anyway, let's we're just not say, talk about that. Let's right get now. the fuck out of here. I hope that you guys kind of learned something with this because I had a I had a pretty interesting time doing the research. It for was it. An, it was an interesting uh, topic. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Um, some parts of it were hard to research because it's Is hard it? to read about innocent people getting fucking killed for literally no reason. You know, I, I have you have that issue a lot with any kind of true crime, but. I had a really hard time with the uh, the ter- the hostages being killed in the helicopter, knowing that they were tied together, they were tied to seats, they had no way to even get out of the way or try or to get out. Or the crack shots weren't really crack yeah. shots. It was a fucking bumblefuck fest right from the get-go. But, um, but yeah, so before we go to our sponsorships and whatnot, we kind of have something kind of cool that we've been planning out now that we're going to start next week. Um, we are going to start a, a 50 state. Do we, do we want to call it a cryptid road trip? (laughs) Yes. I like cryptid road trip. So what we're planning on doing is I gave it away, but (laughs) is over the, over the course of the coming months, uh, probably like one or two episodes a month. We're going to start going through the States alphabetically, picking out lesser known cryptids from each state to talk about we're gonna do two uh to an episode yeah and, when it comes uh, time you know because you know usually we, we cover you know cryptids or whatever yeah. every, every so many po- uh, podcasts so when it comes time for that we're gonna we're gonna pin the tail of the donkey i mean the state and uh you know yeah I, and I, kevin and i kind of talked about it the other day we kind of want to like after everything's said and done we want to set up a fucking bracket like Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy, what I don't an know. asshole! Final Four, Final Four style, to see, and we're gonna have you guys vote on each, each fucking you know category. Who is gonna be the ultimate champ? Exactly, 
But Can for, I be the nonpartisan judge here? Because well, I don't give a shit about yes. any of this. Well, things. no, the listeners are voting, not us. We I, don't I'm a, gonna fucking vote. No, no. <laughs> got it. Our 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 conundrum, the one that gets to buy, he gets to pick the buy. Oh, there we go. There we go. Actually, you have, yeah. to, you, have to, you have to pick two because we have to have Fuck. 24 on each side of the bracket. Yeah. See. Mm. So, with that being said, we're gonna start that next week. My vote is Alaska. Down in Alabama. Are you guys going alphabetically? Yeah, we are going alphabetically. And if anybody out there, any of our listeners, know of a lesser-known cryptid from your state, let us know, and we will probably use that one because it's hard to find these lesser-known ones that aren't like, uh-huh. you know, uh, like you know, you get it to like fucking Florida skunk ape. Yeah, or you get to like uh, Louisiana, and you got like the Honey Island Swamp Monster. We don't want to do big ones. We want to do lesser. What the hell is a Honey Island Swamp? I don't fucking know. It's a fucking know. lizard Bigfoot thing. Hey, yeah. See, he he says this stuff like you know everybody fucking knows what the honey hey, island swamp any of our listeners is. Any <laughs> of our listeners that listen to cryptid shit have probably heard of the honey island swamp monster. Just because you host a show about cryptids and whatnot and you haven't doesn't mean they haven't. Well, Asshole. Not you, Seth. You. <laughs> yeah, because let's be honest, I'm here just for the fun of it. Oh, okay. You guys are here for the educate me in this anyway, shit. And I'm, I'm getting all sweaty and worked talk up about and poop sticky. Monsters. We gotta get this done. Yeah, man. So. Kevin, headphones. You headphones. <laughs> I've been talking for an hour and a half. Tell them about headphones. <laughs> go Fine. to studio. Go to Done. studio. Yeah, go to studio.com. I'll, t- I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> take care of my light work. <laughs> go to studio.com. Check them out. They have headphones, earbuds. They have different varieties. They have uh, the over-the-ear, two different kinds. Which is what, and one of the kind we're wearing right now. The Regent, the which Regent. are awesome. And they have the, what What are they called, Seth? Clark. See, I, can't, I just can't say Clark because, you know, I have to have <laughs> Got to have your balls hang low, kid. Yeah. So, so then uh, you also have in the ear, they have like three, uh, four, five different variety of those. They three, got, four, five. <laughs> so they, they have a variety of varieties. Yes. Let me, shut the fuck up. Let me say this. Anyway. They uh, they have the variety, about four or five of them, and they're great. Pick what you want, put them in your checkout, in your, your basket, and at checkout, put in discount code of DarkWindows15, get 15% off, because, you know, we love you. And speaking of love... Head on over to GameEnvy.net, home of the hobby holder. I said at the top of the show of all the greatness that they have there. And then what you do is you find what you like, you put it in the checkout cart, you put in the promo code BROADSTONE, at checkout, and then you will save yourself 10% off the entire order. And with that being said, just because you can't see in the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. Deuces, I love you. Kisses. Bye-bye. <laughs> We're still recording. Of course we are. I don't fucking know how to turn this shit off. Oh, I I'm, do. I'm not science. I ain't touching it. Let him do it, man. Touch a man's computer. That's like touching a man's ball sack. You don't fucking do that shit. Unless you're gay. You know, Not gay, dude. I played football for six years. That dude's touching my balls all the damn time. Ooh. That's sports for you, kid. I've had anybody touching my balls, but I played sports. Did you play football? No. See? You didn't. That's what I said. If you played football, you're used you to people just touching touch, the balls. You, you, you just, you know. What? You can just stop it. Why? We finished it. Oh. Well, no, we didn't. Yes, we I did. said just because you can't see in the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. Kisses. I love you. Bye-bye. We already said it. We're done. Just because you can't see out into the dark, (laughs) 
Shut the fuck up. Let me sign off, asshole. <laughs> Just, we already said it. I don't care. I sign off, bitch, not you. <laughs> I didn't sign off. He He's did. supposed to interrupt me. We have thrown fucking... This this episode is not canon. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, I didn't feel like this was the type of episode okay. to interrupt you on. Okay, no interruptions then. Yep. Just because you can't see out into the dark. interrupting would be bad right now. <laughs> Just because you can't see out into oh. the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Get off my dick when trying to steal my gimmick, kid. Get off Ain't my, no kid. Get off my gimmick trying to kid. steal my dick. Bye. Ugh. Bye.